Welcome back to Throwing Hands. Daniel and I will be previewing UFC 252. How are you, man? I'm doing great. This is a good-looking card. Obviously, one of the biggest heavyweight fights we've ever seen, if not the biggest. I am fired up to talk about this, man. I am fired up to talk about this, too, but we're going to have to wait a little bit as we'll be previewing most of the main, most of the card. Uh, so we're going to start with a, a prospect uh, matchup here. TJ Brown versus Danny Chavez. What are you thinking? What's your thoughts on TJ Brown? I love what TJ Brown brings to the table. I mean, his record honestly doesn't show it because he's 14 and seven, but I mean, this is a guy that can, that can go and, and go. I mean, he lost his UFC debut against Jordan Griffin, but before that, I mean, he's taking people out with arm triangles. He's got multiple head kick knockouts. Uh, he's, he's just a guy that, that does things kind of spectacularly. It comes back to bite him occasionally, but he's so fun to watch, and honestly, if he can, uh, if he can kind of even out the way he fights, I think he's got a ton of potential. Yeah, I have to agree with you there. And when he was uh, going up against Jordan Griffin, he had seven takedowns in the first two rounds until he got caught in the guillotine when he tried to take when he took him down for his seventh time. But he does have a lot of upside. Nine submissions, combo of take. He has a lot of combos of takedown wrestling and submissions. So he do- he does what he has to do, and he likes to do it on the ground. But Danny Chavez, on the other hand, he, he, he likes to go to decision, but he can, he's a very nice stand-up fighter. He does, he's a scrapper, and he's a dirty boxer. What do you have to say about Danny Chavez? There's not much more to add about it. He's a guy that's obviously pretty new to the UFC. Uh, and, I mean, he's, he's got some ability. But I think this is really going to be more of a showcase to get TJ Brown back on track. Yeah, I have, I have to agree with you there. So what, do you, what are your keys for TJ Brown? Uh, honestly, I think he just, he just needs to, to do what works for him. He needs to fight his fight, control the pace and don't let that last fight get into his head. Like you said, seven takedowns. Uh, he was for a while there pretty dominant against Jordan Griffin and just got caught in that guillotine. I think because he got a little too aggressive. I think he just needs to fight his fight, control the octagon, control the pace of the fight and not let Danny Chavez catch him in a compromising position. Yeah, you, you pretty much summed it up there. I think since Danny Chavez is a little reckless, I think T.J. Brown should use that to his advantage to get some takedowns. And I think that's, that really sums it up. And I think for Chavez is use the fence to avoid some takedowns, pin T.J. Brown up against there, and just turn down the aggression a little bit, especially with a guy who likes to take you down and wrestle like T.J. Brown. What do you have to say? Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. That's, that's exactly what I would think his, his goal should be here. Coming in is what I would think would be a pretty heavy underdog. All right, so what's your prediction? I'm going to take uh, T.J. Brown in this one. Yeah, same. I think he's going to get the sub. All right, two, uh, an event that was moved up to the main card, I believe you said. We got yes. Herbert Burns versus Daniel Pineda. Pineda, it's been a hot minute since he was in the UFC, if you don't tell by his picture if you're watching on YouTube. Uh, he's, he was last in the UFC seven years ago, I believe. No, six years, my bad. But we're going to talk about Herbert Burns first. What are your thoughts on him? I love Herbert Burns. Obviously, he's the brother of Gilbert Burns, who's been probably, for my money, UFC's fighter of the year so far this year. Uh, But Herbert Burns, honestly, is a very similar fighter to what we saw out of early Gilbert Burns. Uh, He's an outstanding submission specialist. 
he he can fill up uh, a fight with a lot of strikes. He's a high volume striker when it is on the feet, but his bread is buttered when it goes to the ground. Uh, he's got 100% takedown accuracy, 100% takedown defense. So this is a guy with elite grappling skills, and he really knows how to finish people once it goes to the ground. Yeah, I mean, more on Herbert Burns, man. I mean, he's a veteran of seven one one championship fights. He's faced some very good competition before coming to the UFC, and he he got the job done against Dunham fairly quickly. Great jujitsu, eight submissions, and he he does have a fairly solid stand up game like his brother. But he he really does like to keep it on the ground. And for Pineda, on the other hand, this guy's like I said, veteran of seven UFC fights, coming back after six years, twenty six and thirteen, two no contests. 18 submissions, but he can get it done on the feet with eight KOs. So he's really he's really well versed in pretty much everything, and but his, his ground game is the strongest. What do you have to say about Pineda? There's not much to to disagree with with what you said. Uh, the the no contests on his um, on his record are actually his last two fights uh, from Pro Fighters League eight. Uh, he he won in the quarterfinals and semifinals of their featherweight tournament. Uh, and actually had both of those fights overturned as no contest because he tested positive for a banned substance. But this is a guy that can go. This is a guy that's been around for a really long time. He's got 43 professional fights, including seven in the UFC. And I think he's going to look at this as an opportunity to break back into the UFC and kind of regain some momentum. He was on a four-fight win streak before he had those no contests in PFL. So I think this is a guy that's going to come in really hungry. Yeah, so I don't know. What are your keys for Burns? I think for for Herbert Burns, obviously this is an interesting matchup because these are two guys that thrive so well in submission grappling in in jujitsu. Uh, we they're both black belts, obviously very well versed in that, and it's both what they both do well. But I think Herbert Burns, his his thing is going to be uh, keeping Pineda under control. Uh, Pineda is going to have an advantage on the feet. I don't think Herbert Burns wants to let this one get in too close until he has the opportunity for a takedown. That's going to be uh, the biggest thing for me. He needs to keep this fight at a distance. He's going to come in with a three-and-a-half-inch reach advantage. When it's on the feet, keep Daniel Pineda from getting into the pocket and then shoot in for a takedown when it's most beneficial for him. Yeah, I, I think you summed it up there. I can't really add anything to it. Like you said, wait for him to come close and use the takedown and use the reach uh, to keep him at bay. And I think for Pineda is keep it on the feet as much as possible. I mean, yes, he has more submission wins than Herbert Burns, but Pineda is should be more than willing to keep it standing. What do you think? Absolutely. Pineda is, I think, going to have the advantage on the feet here. But as quickly as we've seen Herbert Burns uh, come along in the UFC, I wouldn't be surprised to see him take a big step forward in that realm uh, come Saturday as well. All right, predictions. You know, I think I think I'm going to take Herbert Burns. He's on. A, he's been on a tear. Very very promising prospect. What do you think? I'm going to agree with you. I think uh, Herbert Burns gets the sub early in this one. Daniel Pineda's never had a had a decision win, and I think that plays very well into Herbert Burns because I think Pineda is going to come out really aggressive. All right. So to some old folks, uh, their late 30s right here, Jim Miller, the gatekeeper of this lightweight division, versus uh, Vince Pichel. Uh, really interesting matchup here. What are your thoughts on uh, Jim Miller? I mean, we know what Jim Miller is going to do. He's going to just wrestle you till you can't uh, go anymore. He's going to squeeze the life out of you. He's, he's really a guy that has fought anyone with any style uh, anywhere. And that's what's, what's really impressive about him to me. He won't step down from anybody. And, and like I said, he's, he's a wrestling first guy, but he throws bombs. 
he goes right after people. And I think that's what is, is so impressive about him is he just has that smothering style where he never lets up. And, and that's what has allowed him to upset some people in the last few years. Yeah, definitely. He's on this uh, three-fight win streak. And like you said, he, he's a wrestler first, has a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. But if he has to throw the hands, you'll throw the hands. Uh, there's pre- that's pretty much all you have to say about him. Um, and when it comes to Pichel, Brazilian jiu-jitsu brown belt, it, he, he likes to knock out. He's, only, he's about 37, I think. 37. And he's only fought 13 times. So he still has his chin on him, I, I would like to think. And he has a very patient stand-up game. He doesn't like – he picks and chooses what he wants to throw. What are your thoughts on Vince Michel? That's exactly what I was thinking. He's a guy with a great chin, and he's got knockout power. And it's – he's a guy that's fought, fought some names. He's fought Gregor Gillespie, lost to him. He beat Roosevelt Roberts last June. So this is a guy that even at 37 can still go. And I think he's, he's actually coming off hip surgery, so that may affect him in this fight. We're not exactly sure what his mobility is going to be like. Uh, but if it's the same Vink Pichel we saw before, he's a guy that can put you down and put you down quick. Yeah, so I, I, I have to agree with you there completely. I think the keys for uh, – I mean, I think, I think it's pretty simple here. For Miller, get it to the ground, smother, use your jiu-jitsu and grappling. For Vince, keep it standing, use your, not, use your fists. What do you have to say? I can't disagree with, with any of that. I think Jim Miller, uh, despite Pichel having a, a brown belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, is clearly going to have the advantage when it goes to the ground. That's going to be the thing for him. All right, so predictions. I think I'm going to take Jim Miller by submission. He's, on, he's been on this little tear that recently. I think he's going to keep up the tear. What do you have to say? Yeah, I think Jim Miller keeps this, this late career streak alive. I'm not sure I, I would take him in a submission. I think he might, might take this all the way to a decision, but I like Jim Miller for sure. All right. That's that's good. All right, so um, I don't know if you heard, but Magomed Akhle versus uh, Ian Kudalaba. There we go. It has been canceled because uh, I believe Akhle tested positive for Kudalaba did. Kudalaba did one of yeah, for COVID nineteen. Let's hope he fully recovers from that. All right, so two an interesting matchup here. John Dotson, former uh, contender for the flyweight, fought uh, Mighty Mouse twice, and then Murad Dwalashvili. He's he last time he fought was at two fifty. Uh, and he really showed what he could do. He's been on a little tear lately. So what are your thoughts on John Dodson? John Dodson is a guy that has fought at the, at the top of the, the division uh, at why am I, why am I blanking the top of the flyweight division? That's what it is. Fought at the top of the flyweight division before uh, pretty often. He, he's back in, in the bantamweight division. Now he's uh, a winner. He was a winner of, Oh my gosh, why am I stumbling over everything? He's a winner of the ultimate fighter. He's a guy that's fought everybody there is to fight. Uh, he's, they're both losses, but he's fought uh, Piotr Jan. He's fought Jimmy Rivera. He's fought Marlon Moraes. He's fought Eddie Wineland. Obviously, like you said, he fought Mighty Mouse twice. Uh, this is a guy that has, has been around forever, and he, he's a striker. Uh, by all means, he's, he's got 10 knockouts and then nine wins by decision, and, as well as two submissions. He's a striker. He can really go, and he's a guy with a heck of a chin. He's never been finished. He's 21 and 11, and all 11 of those losses have come by decision. So this is a guy with a ton of experience, with a ton of pedigree that can really, really go in the octagon. Uh, yeah, that's that's very accurate. And his last name was against, uh, his last fight, which he won, was against Nathaniel Woods. So he has a little bit of momentum coming into this. Quick striking. He's very he's very aggressive yet very refined. Ten KOs uh, for the wins. So he's 
He's definitely he's five very. Foot, he, he's five foot three, fighting at one hundred and thirty-five pounds. He's got ten knockouts. That's that's impressive to me. Yeah, that's that's what stands out to me. He's he's very very good at what he does. Obviously, former title challenger back in the flyweight division. But on to Davalish Wheelie, very nice young prospect coming out. He's twenty-eight. He's he's fighting out of Long Island, New York. He's from jo- the country of Georgia, and he's a judo black belt. And he has he does have great slams, and he'll just pretty much ground and pound you till the fight's over. Uh, what do you have to say about Devalish Wheelie? I mean, he's a guy coming in hot. He lost his first two UFC fights, actually, uh, back in 2017 and 2018. But since then, he's ripped off four in a row, uh, including most recently back in June. So he's a guy, uh, honestly, like you said, ground and pound is the way to go for him. He likes to get people to the ground and grind them out. That's why most of his wins have come by decision. He's not much of a finisher, uh, but he's got a style that works. And that's what stands out the most to me. Uh, honestly, we talked about this with the Kamaru Usman, um, Jorge Masvidal review, and by no means am I comparing Davishvili to, to Kamaru Usman, but I really like to watch guys that they might, have not, might not have the most exciting style, but they have a style that they know works for them. They can fight their kind of fight, and, and it gets them wins, and it moves them up, up in the rankings, and that's what Marab Davishvili has done in his last four fights. He's not worried about exciting the crowd. He's not worried about, you know, making a bunch of money and bonuses he's there to win fights he's a prize fighter and that's what's really impressive to me about him yeah you summed it up perfectly i think yeah there's no reason to compare him to uzman but he does what he does and it works so i think on the keys for john dotson i think it's try to keep your distance don't let don't get in the grasp of devosh really because he will slam you to the ground be smart and refined and then go into the pocket and burst i'd say and just try to get out of there what do you what do you have to say yeah, John Dodson's going to have to pick his spots. Uh, he's got a two-inch reach disadvantage here and a three-inch disadvantage with the legs. And for a guy that is, is such a striker, that's, that, that's so much of his game, he's got to be really careful because, like you said, Davishvili can take people down really quickly in a really spectacular way. So, I mean, he averages almost eight takedowns per, per 15 minutes. So for John Dodson, it's going to be keeping this fight at some sort of distance, picking his spots to get into the pocket. I would probably look for him, obviously, to keep this one on the feet. If this one stays on the feet and goes to a decision, I would like John Dodson in this fight. So that's, that's probably the way he wins this one. All right. I think you summed it up perfectly. I think for Devosh really is, it's, it's really ground and pound, go with his bread and butter. If he tries to stand this up, I think he, he will get in a lot of trouble with John Dodson, who really likes to get up in your pocket, in your face, and just, just beat you up. So what do you have to say about Devosh Vili's keys? Yeah, he's going to have to grind him out on the ground. That's what sticks out the most to me. Uh, not necessarily dominate once he gets there. He's obviously got that outstanding ground and pound. But his focus is just going to be fill the fight up with takedowns, don't let John Dodson get space to, to throw any kind of bombs at you because he does have knockout power. For Davishvili, it's going to be stretch this fight out and keep it, to the, keep it to the mat as much as possible. All right, so predictions. You know, I think I'm going to take Davishvili. I like, I like the way he goes. He's, he's longer, so he'll probably get a hold of Dodson at some point and just bring him to the ground. I don't know. What do you have to say? I'm going to agree with you there. I think uh, Davishvili takes this one by uh, decision. I think he's able to to just control it with that ground and pound style that he has proven to be able to to just keep going against anybody he's fought. All right, that sums it up for that one. All right, so to a matchup I'm quite excited for. We got uh, Junior Dos Santos versus Jarzinho Rosenstreich. We all know what happened to Rosenstreich last time, knocked out by uh, – 
Francis Ngannou. And Junior Santos, uh, six and six in his last 12, but he still maintains that number five ranking. What are your thoughts on Dos Santos coming into this? Dude, if, if we're just going by pictures on social media, Junior Dos Santos looks amazing. Like He looks like he's in the best shape of his career uh, at 36 years old, and that's saying something for a guy that's the former UFC heavyweight champion. So, uh, honestly, I, I like what Junior Dos Santos brings. He's a guy with a ton of power. He's not uh, your typical Brazilian jiu-jitsu fighter that you, you saw coming out of, out of Brazil so much when he was in his prime. He does have a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, but he's only got one submission win. He can go on the ground, but he is coming out there to knock you out, to put you down, and end the fight quick. So, Dos Santos, in, with him looking as in good condition as he is and the type of fight that he likes to, to carry out there, this is looking real dangerous. Yeah, you, you summed it up perfectly. I mean, I mean, this Junior Santos is a legend when it comes to the heavyweight division. He's beaten Derek Lewis, Mark Hunt, Stipe Miocic, Cain Velaxis, Mirko Krokop, and Fabricio Verdum. So this guy has beaten all the greats that you can think of when it comes to this division. And he's just, he's just really, really good at what he does and boxing background and the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. So this guy can, do it, can get it done pretty much anywhere. Uh, so on to Rosenstrike, what are your thoughts on Rosenstrike? I really like Jorginho Rosenstrike as a prospect. I think a lot of people uh, are forgetting about the the streak he was on just because of you know the the way he was dominated by Francis Ngannou. But going into that fight, he was coming off back to back wins against Andre Arlovski and Alistair Overeem, both knockouts. He knocked out Andre Arlovski in 29 seconds. So uh, obviously Rosenstrike is still an up and comer. He's only had 11 professional fights, but he's an elite level kickboxer. And he, he puts people down, and he puts them down quick. He, he's got nine wins by knockout. The only one that's ever gone to decision for him uh, was back in Ryzen. So this is a guy that finishes fights, that, that has a style that he, it's exciting, and he goes right after people. He's an aggressive fighter. I love what he brings. And I think he's getting overlooked a lot just because of how bad he looked against Francis Ngannou, which just about anybody in the world that's not named Stipe Miocic or, uh, or Daniel Cormier in, that, in the heavyweight division, I would say is going to look bad against Francis Ngannou right now. Yeah, I, I think you summed it up perfectly there. I don't have much to add, but this guy has fought professional kickboxing 85 times. He's been in many, many, many professional bouts, so he's pretty much seen anything when it comes to striking. And he, and he, he has – like you said, wins over Re- the Reem and Orlovsky. So, so he's, he's beaten some big names. So he don't, do not count him out against Junior Dos Santos. All right. The keys, I think for JDS, it's keep distance and keep a high guard because Jorzina Rose strike is a kickboxer. And if he hits you with a leg kick to the head, I think you're pretty much toast. And get into the pocket and spurts for him and then just break. I don't know. What do you have to add? Yeah, that's the thing for Dos Santos is – He's gonna have he has a leg reach advantage and they're about even 77 78 uh in in regular reach. So I think Dos Santos is gonna need to keep his distance from Rosenstrike here, even though Rosenstrike has proven he can strike from a distance. Uh he's just gonna like you said, the high guard's the thing for me, because what I've seen Rosenstrike do so much is sting people with that high head kick and then just lay into them with punches. So Dos Santos keeping his guard up is gonna be huge here because otherwise Rosenstrike's going to put him down quick. Yep, uh, nothing to add there. And I think for Rosenstrike is be smart and pick the shots because Junior Dos Santos would just wreck you if you're not smart. And 
I don't think he, it's in his best interest to go to the ground against Junior Dos Santos, who's a fair, who doesn't use his grappling too much, but when he does, it's fairly elite. What do you have to say? Yeah, Rosenstroik is is in an interesting position here because he's matched up with somebody that's such a great striker, but Dos Santos is definitely going to outclass him on the ground as well. So, honestly, I think Rosenstroik's best bet is going to be uh, to, to just battle Dos Santos on the feet, stretch this fight out a little bit more. I know Rosenstrike's a guy that's got a ton of early finishes, uh, but if he, can, if he can hammer Dos Santos' legs early in the fight and then get in close uh, through that, so Dos Santos opens up his guard a little bit, brings, brings his hands down some, that's going to be his best bet for my money. All right. Predictions. What do you have? This is a tough one because I love your Zeno Rosenstrike so much, and I don't want to see him lose two fights in a row. And Junior Dos Santos looks so good right now. This is the toughest pick of the night for me, but I'm I'm going to take Rosenstrike. This this might be a little bit of a stretch because Junior Dos Santos has looked so good, but he's coming off back to back losses. Yes, they are to Francis Ngannou and Curtis Blades, uh, but. I like Rosenstroik. I like him to bounce back. He seems like the type of guy that is not going to let that Nganu fight get in his head. And because of that, I'm going to take Yarzino Rosenstroik for the win. All right. I like that a lot. Um, but I think I'm going to take DeSantis here, and here's why. It's been three months? Yeah, a little over three months since he fought Nganu. And he's, his chin might still be feeling the pain from when he got knocked out cold. And I think Junior Dos Santos has just seen everything with his experience in the UFC. And if you've seen the Instagram pictures, guys, look it up. He's, he's absolutely shredded. He's pretty much shredded himself free of body fat. It's, it's, it's absurd. So I think I'm going to take Junior Dos Santos by knockout. I'm not counting out Rosenstroik by any means, but I think Junior Dos Santos looks good enough to take it by knockout. All right, to the co-main event of the evening, uh, rising star Sugar Sean O'Malley coming off a knockout walkout a walk-off uh, knockout win against uh, Eddie Wineland, and then Marlon Vera coming off a, a loss against Song Yadong, but that could have been uh, go that could have gone either way. What are your thoughts on Sugar Sean O'Malley? I, I love Sean O'Malley. Obviously, the UFC does too, or they wouldn't be putting their number fourteenth uh, ranked guy in the bantamweight division up against an unranked fighter in the co-main event of a pay-per-view card. Uh, he's a guy that. Uh, talks a big game and was off for a while for various reasons, but he's backed it up, man. He's fought twice already in 2020, and they've both been big-time knockouts. He's won, he's won performance of the night in both of his fights this year, and he can go. He's, he's one of the most technical strikers that I have seen at this kind of age. I mean, his, his knockout of Eddie Wineland with that feint and then just came over the top with so much power – to put him down was really impressive for a guy against Eddie Wineland who has been around for so long and has such a chin that that was really impressive for me because Sean O'Malley has proven at the age of 25 to be someone that can go and can go with guys that have have that have a ton more experience than him. Yeah, you summed it up perfectly. Yes, he does have a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu purple belt, and he's fairly decent off his back when it comes to defending, but his striking is very refined and very creative, which throws a lot of people off, and that's what really destroyed Eddie Wineland. Fainted with that uppercut, and then he just, boom, right to the right to the uh, front of the chin. So he's very good, 12 straight, 12 straight wins, 12-0. and 0. He's, uh, he's pretty hot right now, but he should not overlook this dude in Marlon Vera. Marlon Vera is 
are, is one of the well, most well-versed prospects coming up out of this division. Can get it done on the ground. Uh, he has five. He has seven submissions, five knockouts, and he's won five of six. So he's he's really scary. Uh, he Sean O'Malley should be concerned. What are your thoughts on Marlon Vera? I like Marlon Vera a lot. I honestly went into his fight back in May against Song Yadong, mostly looking to check out Song, see what his his potential is. And even though he lost, I came away really impressed with Marlon Vera, honestly. Uh, he's a guy that, that carried that fight much longer than I thought he would against a guy in Song Yadong that's got a ton of power. And I honestly really like uh, what what Vera brings to the table. He's He's got five knockouts, seven submissions, three decisions. So he can – he can take a fight really anywhere that, that you could ask him to. He's a guy that has looked really good since he's been in the UFC. Uh, for a guy that's, that's just 27, he's been in the UFC since 2014. So he, he brings a lot to the table. I love what he brings to the table. Uh, but I'm not sure it's going to be enough against Sean O'Malley, who is looking really dangerous. Okay, so uh, for Keys, I think for Sean O'Malley, it's pretty simple. Keep it standing and use your striking. He, you have a one-and-a-half-inch reach advantage, which isn't too much. But just be smart and don't let Marlon Vera take you down. What do you have to say? That's going to be the biggest thing for Sean O'Malley. Keep it on the feet. Uh, he's he's going to have an advantage there, despite how much I like Marlon Vera uh, when it comes to, to his stand-up game. But Sean O'Malley is, is going to be able to keep it there, I think. He's got 61% takedown defense. So he's he's got the ability to to stuff takedowns, and I think he's going to be able to do that against Marlon Vera, who I think is going to be hunting for a takedown, uh, just so just so Sean O'Malley doesn't have the opportunity to put him down with one punch. All right, so I think for Marlon Vera, it's ground. I think it's pretty simple. Yes, he can handle himself on the feet. There's no question about it. And I won't be surprised if this turns into a little slugfest. But if Marlon Vera wants the best chance to win, it's to get him to the ground. What do you have to say? I have to agree with that completely. Uh, Vera can go on the feet. I just don't know that he matches up with O'Malley well here. And if, if Vera can get into a position to try to submit Sean O'Malley, I think he could pull off an upset. All right. So predictions. You know, I like Sean O'Malley a lot, but I think Mon Vera is too well versed, and I think a lot of his striking will set up takedowns uh, against Sean O'Malley. And Marlon Vera is an elite uh, jiu-jitsu guy, so. I think I'm going to take Marlon Vera by submission. But I think if Sean O'Malley loses, that will be the best thing for him because you'll learn a lot from it. What do you have to say? Dude, Sean O'Malley's telling Marlon Vera good night in the first round. <laughs> okay. Marlon Vera's going to sleep. All right. We'll see what happens. <laughs> we'll I, lo- I love Marlon Vera. I think he's got a really bright future. But Sean O'Malley's putting this guy to sleep in the first round. All right. Well, we'll see. All right. To the main event of the evening. Uh, the matchup we have all been waiting for, which has put the heavyweight division on hold, and this will finally free up the heavyweight division after this is over. Champion, two-time champ, three-time defender. Uh, he defended three times in his first reign, Stipe Miocic versus uh, uh, double champ, former double champ Dan- Daniel Cormier in the both light, the light heavyweight division and the heavyweight divisions. What's your thought, thoughts on Stipe, man? I mean, Stipe is a guy that – He's, he's up there as one of my favorite fighters of all time. He might be my favorite heavyweight of all time. And he's one of the best heavyweights of all time. That's, that's, un, that's undisputable. Indisputable is the correct word there. And, and we're going to talk about the, who's, who's the greatest heavyweight of all time coming up in a little bit. But he's a guy at 37 that has honestly had the peaks of his career late in the game. Uh, he, he won the UFC heavyweight title at the age of 33. He's defended it. 
he's he's lost it and won it back with DC. Obviously, this being a trilogy fight, but Stipe, uh, he's an outstanding boxer. We all know that he he knocks people out with ease, and, and he he can wrestle well enough that he's never been submitted. So he's obviously extremely talented. He's I mean you you can't be untalented to be uh, the UFC heavyweight champion and defend it three times. So. I mean, Stipe is is one of the greatest heavyweights of all time, and I mean, I love him as a fighter. He he's he's just a, a blue collar fighter that you love to watch, and he's reached the peak of the sport in that in that way. Yeah, I mean, you you can't hate Stipe Miocic, all around good guy. I mean, I love the guy personally. Immigrant mentality, my fellow Eastern European, um, two time heavyweight champ. He's got wins against uh, Cormier Dos Santos. Verdum and Ganu and Arlovsky. He's beaten the best college wrestler at uh, Cleveland State University, where he's fr- he's from Cleveland, more, more Euclid rather, and he is he does have great boxing. He's one of the best all around fighters in the UFC, in my opinion. He's never had a submission win, but he can use his grappling to get some ground and pound in. So I love Stipe a lot. Not a DC. I'm not. I like DC out of the octagon, but I personally think DC's a little bit dirty when he's in the octagon with the eye pokes. I'm not exactly a big fan, but he's a very decent guy, good guy to look up to. Um, wins against Miocic, Lewis, and uh, Lewis Silva, and uh, Rumble Johnson. Olympic wrestling, uh, I think that would be the key for him in this one, use more wrestling. What are your thoughts on DC? I think DC is probably the greatest. I don't know if you would agree with this. He's the greatest wrestler we've ever seen in the UFC. Um, I think to an extent, but I mean, John Jones, when they fought, yeah. dominated him when it came yeah, to wrestling. That's true. That's true. I mean, I mean, I'm not taking anything away from DC when it comes to freestyle wrestling and uh, grappling on the ground. I think DC's as good as it gets. Cause he uses yeah. that uh, slam and everything. But when it comes to greatest wrestling in the UFC, I think it's probably that's John true. Jones. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, DC is, he's fought the best of the best in, in multiple divisions. He's been a champion in multiple divisions. Uh, like we've said, he's he's an elite wrestler. That's where where he got his start. But he's got a ton of knockout power too. He he looks kind of unassuming, just just his build. Uh, but he's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, you you can you can tell in, in his photo on UFC.com that he's sucking his gut in. But he's he's a guy that uh, is is so talented. He's 41 years old and he's still fighting at the pinnacle of the game. And, and I love DC. He's been one of my favorite fighters since I started watching the UFC. Uh, and he's, he's just so well-rounded. And he, he looks unassuming. He comes in with a lot of people underestimating him. And he puts them down. And he puts them down in a bad way. So uh, I, I love Daniel Cormier as a fighter. I, I know, like, like what you said with the eye pokes, that's obviously uh, an issue. Uh, but he wouldn't, he wouldn't be at this point in his, in his career if if he wasn't yeah so elite and, yeah, and i love yeah. i love dc he's one of the first guys that i watched that really made me look at the the way people fight and and try to understand why this works and why this doesn't work yeah so i i love daniel cormier and i'm gonna i'm gonna get off my soapbox because this is <laughs> one of the guys that made me fall in love with mma yeah I, you make a good point so i don't know if i don't know if you know this but this is a fun fact i'm not a hundred percent sure on this but I believe Jose Aldo has longer legs than Stipe Miocic. Correct that's, me if I'm That's wrong, a really interesting question. I will – one moment, please. Yeah, look that up. Because I, I saw that the other day. I'm like, there's no way. Because Jose Aldo is 5'6", I think. Yeah. 
yeah, look. One moment, please. Keep keep talking yeah, while I, while I'm, I search I'm gonna, this up. This I'm is gonna, great podcasting. Yeah, I'm going to find something to talk about with Steve. I mean, he, oh, yeah, son of Croatian immigrants. Uh, I mean, I don't know if you can tell, but he's definitely Eastern European. If you're not, uh, uh, get yourself well-versed in culture, I'd say. But – yeah, Stipe. yeah. Stipe's leg reach is forty or thirty-nine inches, and Aldo's is forty. <laughs> Stipe's six four, and uh, well, yeah, you said Aldo's like five seven. Yeah, that's nuts. <laughs> that's crazy. All right, so I think on the keys for Stipe Miocic, keep the distance. I mean, he is an elite wrestler, but not as elite as DC. Uh, he can maintain himself on the ground against DC, I believe. But if he really wants to use that, use the, his seven and a half reach advantage. And I think just pick it, pick and choose his shots and expose DC's guard. He's going to have a really interesting guard in this one because if he keeps it high, DC's just Stipe's just going to attack the body again like he did last time. But if he keeps it low, he exposes his head. So he needs to expose holes in his guard like he did last time and make uh, adjustments when they're appropriate. What do you have to say about Stipe? Yeah, I think Stipe's going to want to turn this into a boxing match. That's what it, it largely was when he, he picked up the win last time. So... If this stays on the feet, if it, if it is a situation where Stipe can keep Cormier at range and still sting him with punches, that's going to be the biggest thing. Just turn this almost into a traditional boxing match. That's, that's what Stipe's biggest benefit is going to be here. Yeah, definitely. So what are your keys for DC? I think if DC can go to the ground, not necessarily go to the ground, but, but just dirty this one up. Get into a clinch. Get Stipe up against the fence. Uh, and, and cut off the octagon. Like you said, he's got a major disadvantage in reach. It, it didn't seem to be as much of a problem for him the first time these guys fought, but I think that was exposed in the second fight of this trilogy. I think if, if DC can get in close, I don't think he necessarily has to get Stipe to the mat and keep him there, but like I said, get it into the clinch, get, use, use his dirty boxing, get him up against the fence, and just grind Stipe out to the point to where he can't just throw haymakers at, at Daniel Cormier. That's going to be the biggest thing for me. Yeah, I think you make a good point. I think when it comes to the octagon size, it's the 25-foot octagon this time. And I think Stipe called for a larger octagon because of the wrestling that DC can get because he can just put him up against the fence more. So I think Stipe is going to want to take center control of the octagon for sure right away. He's going to have to maintain that the whole fight in order that so that uh, Daniel Cormier – can't would have a tougher time taking him down, especially with this smaller octagon. You saw what Walt Harris did to Volkov with the smaller, with the smaller octagon. So no, not Walt Harris or who was it? Curtis Blades did to Volkov. Yeah. So yeah, uh, what are your thoughts on the smaller octagon in this fight? I think it's going to be an advantage for DC because he's going to be able to cut off the cage a little bit easier. Going to be able to back Stipe into the corners a little bit easier. I think, like you said, Stipe was was calling for a bigger octagon. He's not going to get it. So I, I think that's definitely an advantage in DC's corner. Yep. All right. So what are your keys for uh, – well, yeah, we did keys for uh, – predictions. My prediction. Here we go. I think if Daniel Cormier gets a couple good eye pokes, then he'll win this fight. But if Stipe can keep his distance, avoid eye pokes, punches, and takedowns, I mean, that's a lot, obviously. But if he – He's smart, chooses his shots. I think Stipe will take this by decision. What do you have to say? I think DC wins it clean, man. I think he does. I think it goes to decision probably. But I think the smaller octagon is going to be a huge advantage for him. I think he's going to be able to grind Stipe out, get into the clinch, drive him back up against the fence, and keep him there. Yeah, I mean, it's it's too close to call for me. The odds are even right now at uh, minus 210 for both fighters. 
So the, the, but the odds makers know that this is a close fight. All right. So to a, to a topic, I guess, um, here we go to a topic, which concerns, does this fight in your opinion, uh, consider who's the greatest heavyweight of all time? I think so. I, I, I would genuinely think so. I think because these two guys are, are emblematic of the way the heavyweight division has evolved over the years, obviously, mid-2000s, you're looking at guys like Brock Lesnar and Frank Mir, and those guys are extremely talented. But as, as fighting has progressed, I think these two guys are some of the most well-rounded heavyweights we've ever seen. And I don't think you can say that for a lot of the guys that came before them. I think, like I said, the evolution of fighting, especially in the heavyweight division, has gone as Stipe Miocic and Daniel Cormier have gone. And I think that can't be ignored. Yeah, I think you make a good point there. It really has evolved with them. These two, these two guys are both very well versed. I, yes, DC's main thing is wrestling, but when it, he is a very good striker also. So it's like you said, like Brock Lesnar and Frank Mir, great wrestlers, but they could, couldn't really do too much on the feet. And both these guys can really bang on the feet. So I don't know. It's it's interesting. I think I personally think DC's the best heavyweight of all time at this moment, but we'll see what comes across on Saturday. All right, did you watch the Contender series? I have not had the opportunity to catch up on it. I'm sorry. Okay, I'll I'll do a little video on that myself. All right. Okay. So, oh, news. What do you have? Ah, news. Uh, Paige Van Zant is going to bare knuckle fighting, which is <laughs> interesting to me. Multi fight contract, multi fight exclusive contract. So that's all she's gonna do. Like she's not gonna fight even in Bellator or, or LFA or anything. She's putting all of her eggs in the bare-knuckle boxing basket, which is an interesting decision. Apparently, she's, like, making bank. Like, she got a multi-million-dollar oh, yeah. yeah, contract. She's, she's one of the, the highest-paid fighters BKFC's ever put on contract. It, it's, I don't get it. I don't get it, dude. I mean, people – she's going to get a pretty face beat in. I mean, have you seen the fights? Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I don't get it, man. They're in, I, I, I wouldn't do it. I don't care how much money you give me. The, the cuts in that are nasty. Like, Dude, I saw – I don't remember who said – I think it was Dan Stuff who he interviewed. Uh, I'm not, I'm not 100% going to attribute this quote to him, but I saw somebody on Twitter that said, um, bare-knuckle boxing isn't even boxing without gloves, let alone MMA without gloves. No, it's not boxing. It's it's a brawl. It's, it's yeah. something I could see someone like Nate Diaz doing that. Yeah. I guess it's it's literally <laughs> back your opponent into a corner and start like hockey punching them. Yeah, it's 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 really interesting, and I I just think it's insane. And the and the guy who runs it is absolutely nuts. He said, <laughs> if you don't fight, you don't get paid. Like he'll take away your purse if you don't start advancing on people. Yeah, it's, it's a it's a corrupt organization and. It's not something – I obviously don't want to take part in it. It's not my thing. I'm not fighting anybody. I mean, it's not my thing. But it's, it's a really interesting thing, especially for Paige Van Zandt. And she says she won't rule out a return later. But I think she, she might not even be around uh, mentally <laughs> by yeah. the time she's – She turned down an offer from Bellator for this. I don't get it. Dude, she would have she just stepped in there and won the Bellator belts. I mean, There was an on offer on the table. Yeah, I mean, she probably would have. I mean, she fight. She probably would have fought in flyweight, but she wouldn't have fought in featherweight with Chris Cyborg. So she'd have the division all to herself. It's it's a really weird situation for Paige Van Zandt. And I I hope she 
Oh no, I hope I hope she doesn't do it. Paige but that seems like one of the nicest people in fighting, and I really don't want her to just to see her get beat up. I yeah, really I, don't. I mean, I think I think you and I should do a a preview from that for her, from her first event because I'm yeah, just I'm, I'm gonna I'm, yeah why not I'm gonna watch it, but it's gonna be. And the thing is, the people in bare knuckle boxing, they they're not fighters. They just they it's like guys you like. If you took Nate Diaz off the street or something like that, that's the people that fight in there. Like people in Nate Diaz's neighborhood, like that's the people that fight yeah. in there, not real fighters. It's so unrefined, but it's so brutal, and yet it's really somewhat entertaining to watch. <laughs> yeah. All right, what else you got? Um, we got some releases going on. Um, the the two uh, we've got three that that kind of stuck out. Uh, Evan Dunham, who's a veteran lightweight, uh, was cut from the from the roster. Uh, as well as the two that stuck out to me, uh, Beth Correa, who's a former women's bantamweight mm-hmm. title contender, and then Max Roshkoff, who obviously uh, has kind of gone down in history for taking a fight on short notice, uh, an outstanding prospect coming out of the regional circuit, mm-hmm. and, and then not wanting to come out of his corner for the third round, begging his coaches to, to end the fight. And he's been cut from the roster. So uh, th- those are the two that stood out to me from the releases that have been coming in. Uh, obviously, Beth Correa, uh, a former title contender, uh, kind of on the back end of her career, uh, has had a lot of trouble with consistency. Yeah. But but Max Roshkoff is a guy that that Dana White came out and defended after that decision. But he's he's still been cut from the roster. I think with Beth Correa, she she'll do well in Bellator if she decides to sign with another person or Invicta. Um, so we could see her do that. But with Roshkoff, I mean, he was getting he was getting the hell beat out of him when in the in the second round he really would i couldn't see him he probably the fight would probably end pretty quick if it went to the third round but i can't believe he got cut he looked really good in that first round yeah so he i wouldn't be surprised if we see him back maybe on the contender series at some point or just they sign him again to a one fight deal but i don't know what are your thoughts on that i, I think max Rothkopf's this is not the last of him we have seen in the ufc i think he's going to be back and i think he's showed so much outside the ufc and in the first round of that fight like you said that he's going to be back and he's going to make some noise when he is here. Yep. Uh, any more news? Um, uh, the, the, the medical suspensions have come down uh, from the last uh, fight night card. Um, nothing, nothing earth shattering. Uh, Scott Holtzman actually uh, ended up with an orbital fracture. So he's going to be out for quite a while. Uh, Yana Konitskaya, who, like we said, dominated a pretty boring fight against Julia Stolyarenko. Uh, is going to have to have an MRI on her neck and arm. So that may result in a pretty long suspension. Where would she uh, have gotten hurt in that fight? I, I'm not sure. But the, the thing I wanted to talk about is Colby Covington talking about this Tyron Woodley fight. <laughs> because Colby Covington has essentially said, if Tyron Woodley is not taken out on a stretcher, he has not done his job. <laughs> <laughs> That's Colby Covington with every guy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. But still. Yeah. Still. I mean, I love Kobe Covington as a fighter. I mean, I don't, I'm not, I don't exactly agree with him on stuff outside the octagon personally. Yeah. But he, I love watching him fight. He's just a brutal guy. And this is two D1 wrestlers and two guys who like to punch going at it. So this fight, there's no way this fight can't not be entertaining. And I think with Kobe Covington's trash talk hyping this up, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. I don't know. Yeah. What are your thoughts on this one? I think this is going to be a great fight. I'm really excited for it. I think Colby's probably going to dominate. I genuinely think that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I, I think this is going to be a great fight. And I think Woodley, as bad as he looked against Gilbert Burns, 
he kind of said he's kind of saying, "Oh, Tyron Woodley's back. I'm back. I'm I'm ready to go." He said that before you got caved in by Gilbert Burns, and, and I think Tyron Woodley is is a great fighter. He's a guy I really liked earlier in his career. I mean, when he was fighting for the championship, when he was defending the championship. But I think he's he's in a position where Colby Covington could put him down in a bad way. Yeah, you make a good point. There's not much else to say. What else? There's uh, that that really does it for for what I want to add. Uh, obviously, this is one of the biggest cards of the year, maybe the biggest card of the year. Uh, so let's. I'm excited. I'm excited for this weekend. Ooh, you got to mention one thing. Our mascot. Uh... Yoel Yo, Romero. Romero's out, man. Yeah, I know. I was so disappointed. I'm so and, upset. And when you when you threw that f bomb to me, I never heard you like say the f bomb. I'm like, oh, <laughs> it was I lost in a text. It, it was in I a know. text. I know, but like when you when you sent that to me, I lost it because I mean, our lives don't have any direction now. I mean, the people's main event's gone. I don't know and, where to go. And I I also feel bad for uh, Uriah Hall because two of his, his last two fights have been canceled. The yeah. one against Jacare and then this one. So it's. Dang, I was, oh, I was yeah. so pumped. I I was so pumped. Dang. All right, you got That's any exciting. final thoughts? Uh, last thing, just scrolling through the headlines here a little bit. Uh, Timur Valiev, who is an outstanding prospect, is going to make his UFC debut on August 22nd. He's a former uh, training – or a, a longtime training partner of, of Frankie Edgar and is considered one of the best bantamweights outside the UFC right now. So I think he's that's something to watch out for down the line later this month, something we should definitely be keeping track of. All right, cool. All right, man. Uh, thanks for coming back on. It was, Absolutely, it was a good time. sir. And, dude, we didn't break up this time. No, no. no we, internet, it, internet, internet is good. Internet is internet good. Internet is good. We're not, well, we're not carrying it across multiple states anymore, so that helps. Yeah, I mean, I was – I was here for the last. I was in West Virginia for the last time, but hey, yeah, it's it's good stuff now. All right. I don't, I don't have to on. edit this podcast now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I can just throw it off for sure. All right, guys, we'll see you. Uh, you'll you'll see me uh, Saturday for uh, a contender series uh, review. So deuces. <laughs>